As day broke over the little village, Martha stirred from her slumber. She rubbed the sleep from her eyes and stretched out her arms to the new morning. Praise the Lord for a new day. A chance to start anew after the debacle of yesterday. She shuddered in her in recollection and took a deep breath. Yesterday it had begun so well. She'd been so excited at the thought of meeting Jesus. The one that they were calling the Messiah. He was on his way with his disciples to Jerusalem and would be passing through her town. She'd heard incredible things about him, his, his authority over demons and sickness, at the waves and the sea, and apparently even a dead girl responded to his words and woke up. He taught with authority and proclaimed that the time of the Lord's favor had come. Jubilee, freedom for the captives and the forgiveness of sins. Could it be true? Some of his disciples had traveled ahead and she'd heard that in, in recent days he had talked a lot about welcome or receiving someone rightly. Receive, welcome. The word, the word meant the same, same thing. He'd sent out his twelve to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he had told them that wherever they weren't received to shake off the dust from their feet as testimony against them. He'd also surprised a lot of people when he had told them that when a person receives a child in his name, they receive him. And that whoever receives him, receives him who sent him. It was a strange thing to say since children are so lowly. And they have no power or, or standing. How could welcoming one like that in his name be like receiving Jesus? And how could receiving Jesus be like receiving the one he claims sent him? Anyway, this Jesus had been coming to her town and she had decided that she would give him the best reception ever. They would talk about her welcome the way they talked about Abram and how he had welcomed and shown hospitality to the one that he had called Lord. Foxes had holes and birds had nests, but Jesus had said he had no place to lay his head. Well, that night he would. She decided to welcome him into her home and to prepare the finest meal. She knew what was expected in her culture, and she planned to go all out. It was going to have been great, and he would have recognized her as the sort of person who welcomed him like he'd been teaching others to do. As Martha reflected on the day before, she'd remembered the smile on Jesus' face when she'd welcomed him home. And how proud she'd felt as onlookers watched them walk the path towards her home and, and through the door. Once Jesus was inside, he took a seat and began teaching. But she had rushed off to the kitchen to start preparing the meal. There had been so much to do. And so many expectations that were going to have to be met. There had been the chickpeas to soak, ready to make fresh hummus, and tomatoes, and, and okra, and cheese, and, and bread to bake, 
meat to spice and cook. And the selection of olives and some figs too. Ah, there's been so much to do with so little time. She'd wanted everything to be just right. It would have been a tall order even with help. But then her sister Mary had bailed on her and left her on her own. She remembered how she'd looked around the corner and seen Mary sitting there at his feet, listening to his teaching with his disciples. She remembered how the indignation had risen within her, boiling her blood. Who had she thought she was, sitting there with the men while there was a meal to be prepared? Did she know that meals don't cook themselves? She remembered what she had thought of Jesus, how little he must have cared for her. And in her outrage that he hadn't told Mary to go and help her with her welcome. <sighs> she winced and felt a burning, burning in her cheeks as she remembered as she'd stormed into the middle of the room, right up to Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. <laughs> the room had gone awkwardly silent. People shuffled uncomfortably. And Mary had glared at her for attempting to shame her like that. And hospitality was supposed to bring people together to strengthen bonds of friendship and honor a guest. <sighs> but the exact opposite had happened. She'd rebuked her guest shamed her sister, and made everyone feel totally uncomfortable. But still, at the time, she'd been confident of her own rightness. She'd thought she was doing her duty and had been behaving appropriately. That Mary had been the one who was out of line. Jesus' answer had come as a great surprise. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and, and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary's chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Wow, that's quite the correction. But she remembered that his tone had been gentle and in no way sought to shame her. She spent the evening reflecting more on his words and what had happened and, and realized the whole irony in it all. She'd wanted so desperately to receive Jesus, and she'd tried so hard, and yet it was her sister Mary who had ended up receiving him rightly. Mary had received him rightly because she had truly welcomed him as Lord. To Mary, Jesus was Lord even over cultural expectations and norms, and he was Lord over cultural identifiers. Martha winced again as she thought about the irony of her storming up to Jesus and calling him Lord and then immediately telling him what to do to meet her own agenda. <sighs> Hospitality was about serving others, but by her words and actions, she knew she'd made it about herself. It hadn't been immediately apparent to her, but she'd reflected on her actions and realized that in that moment, Jesus' presence hadn't been foremost in her mind. 
And nor had his words been the ones that she was listening to in her head at the time. What she'd been hearing were the voices of her culture, voices that demanded performance and productivity, voices that came with ready rebuke and judgment if you didn't measure up, voices that produced anxiety and distraction. On reflection, she'd realized that it certainly wasn't Jesus' expectations that she'd been trying to meet. He'd have been happy with a simple piece of bread. Without knowing it, she'd become like the older brother in the parable that Jesus had told about two sons. She'd valued performance over presence, and it had led to self-righteousness and and judgment. She'd called Jesus Lord in, in word only. But Mary had welcomed Jesus as Lord by recognizing his priorities over the cultural ones. Mary had also received him as Lord by ignoring the primacy of cultural identifiers. Even though women weren't allowed to sit at the feet of rabbis in that culture, Mary had recognized that for Jesus, the thing that mattered wasn't a person's gender at all, but their accepting of his invitation to be in his presence and to hear his words. Jesus had confirmed this with a statement that what Mary had chosen would not be taken away from her. Identification as his disciple had to be the primary over all things. And it was hearing his words and then obeying that began the path of discipleship. This was the one thing that was required. All of this had shocked Martha at first, but the more she'd thought about it, the more it was good news. She knew, just by simple observation, that the world had found so many ways to divide people and to separate based on gender and ethnicity and and kinship, by wealth and power and by health. And that Jesus was saying that all of these walls that divide could be torn down. And that none of those cultural identifiers could be used to trump a person's identification as a disciple of his. To be a disciple of Je- and to receive Jesus wasn't about skin color or gender or ethnicity, but by hearing his words and obeying them. Reflecting on this again, she saw the irony that all her thoughts had been about her own hospitality. But through it all, it was Jesus who was the true host extending welcome and receiving those whom society would reject. What great news this was for the poor and the lowly and the sick, the lame and the powerless, widows, women and children who had so often been excluded. But what a high cost it was for those who were already in the positions of power to submit to Jesus' lordship. Martha took another deep breath, stood up and stretched and began pacing the room, meditating some more on Jesus' words. Mary has chosen the good portion. What did he mean by that? Ah, portion. She'd been stressed and anxious and busy, surrounded with a kitchen full of food. But if Jesus truly was the Son of God, the very fullness and likeness of God bringing about the kingdom, then he is the one 
they had all been truly hungering for. He was the good portion. She reflected more about a world that was hungering and thirsting for things to be made right. Words at times seem so cheap, surely a waste of time when we could be doing stuff. But then she thought about what was taking place in the presence of Jesus, and in response to his words, as people then went out in obedience to them. She thought about his disciples. In a divided world that seems so fractured by political affiliation, and class distinction, and race, and birth order, there at Jesus' feet were a zealot and a tax collector, small business owners and fishermen with big enough operation to have hired servants, oldest siblings and younger siblings, a man who had been demon-possessed, and now women also. Perhaps the kingdom was indeed breaking in through this Jesus, and there was indeed something to his way that he was inviting people into. Her thoughts went to Psalm 16, The Lord is my portion and my cup. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Her heart was warmed and the burdens of another day seemed all of a sudden lighter. It seemed that in Jesus she had received a newfound freedom from the many expectations of the world and the societal identity that had so often been used against her. What good news this Jesus had brought. The dimness was all but gone from the room now as the daylight had broken through. But she pondered one more thought. So it was true that Jesus was the good portion. And like her sister Mary, she was ready to receive him as Lord. She recognized him as Lord over societal expectations and as Lord over societal identifications. But how could she ensure she didn't fall back into her anxiety and distraction? How could her heart be cleansed from its tendency to judge others who served less than she did? It wasn't like she was called to stop serving. In fact, that was something Jesus had called his followers to be marked by. And after all, dinner still wouldn't prepare itself. And now that Jesus was no longer with them, how could she sit in his presence and hear his words? As she meditated, she smiled again, remembering more of his words, and reached over to her prayer mat, dropping to her knees in prayer. Yes, this is why he had taught them to pray the way he had. Father, as the word rolled off her tongue, her soul was lifted upward. Father, she said it again, remembering her identity as a child of the Most High, a child deeply loved by a loving and good father. No matter what ways the world sought to label her, and restrict what she could do. In Jesus, this identity was hers and wouldn't be taken from her. Hallowed be thy name. She sheepishly recalled her pride of the day before, how prideful she had been at the thought of her welcoming, her way of welcoming Jesus, of her perceived superiority over her sister, how she had made it about herself and not her guests. Yes, Lord. 
Hallowed be your name, not mine. Free me from the need to create a name for myself. And free me for loving service to others. Free me from constant comparison with others. Thy kingdom come. Thank you, Lord, for your in-breaking kingdom and the great hope we have. Yes, we seek our own kingdoms, but Lord, it's you and your way that we truly hunger for. You are the good portion. Come quickly and heal our divisions, Lord. Make things right. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I'm so quick to become anxious and troubled. But you know our needs and as you provide for the lilies and birds, you'll provide for us too. Let me rest in your provision and forgive us our sins. Lord, I'm so sorry for my shortcomings yesterday. Thank you for not shaming me or rejecting me. Thank you for your gentleness and forgiveness. As your child, may I be like you today, bearing your image by forgiving those who have done me wrong. And lead us not into temptation. Lord, you know the powers that work against me. You know the allure of a culture that will affirm me for my performance and my busyness. You know the forces that seek to limit my faithfulness to you for pursuing other agendas. You know my tendency to be self-righteous and judgmental of others. Protect me from these temptations today. And Father, Jesus assures that you are a good Father who knows how to give good gifts to your children. He promised that you'd send the Holy Spirit to those who asked him. Be gracious, Lord, and fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your very presence that I may abide with you and serve in your strength today and for your glory. Grant that by the power of your Spirit will be the words of Jesus that fill my mind as I serve today, not the words of cultural expectations. Make me like the tree planted by the riverside. Amen. Mary rose from her knees and headed through to the kitchen to prepare and serve another meal, which still wouldn't cook itself, but this time with a newfound sense of peace and freedom in the Lord. Amen.